0: I'll take the paper to the paper the paper to 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 the I'm a fan of the of a
1: Truth seekers. Hello friends and welcome to the Seeker Podcast at Service of Change where we challenge reality, question at which we've been taught in hopes of inspiring a new direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II with Service of Change where you can read my book for free, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are just by going to serviceofchange.com. Dot com slash I am human this book will start the ball rolling it's the beginning of the journey because it is the questions that are asked in that book that open our minds and begin to question what is this reality that we exist in, or believe we exist in? Check it out, servicechange.com/slash. I am human. I'm excited to be doing this show today. Uh, tonight we're going to be getting into uh, the bee apocalypse, or what's been called colony death syndrome, with the bees that have been dying. Uh, I've I've come across some information that ties into a lot of what I have been talking about: the universal force connecting. Everyone and everything, uh, and how it is affecting bees—it's pretty interesting stuff. If you enjoyed last week's show about the uh, the sun and the energy coming out of the sun and its impact on human health and human behavior, uh, this will definitely tie into that discussion. You're going to, uh, I think, be surprised at some of the results, and uh, it, it just blew me away seeing, you know, the connections that are here. Uh, you know, and obviously I'm going to get into also what we can do to help kind of protect the bees, uh, you know, and really help make a, a more sustainable uh, world for us to live in. There's a lot of, um, a lot of controversy going on, a lot of uh, fear over these bees that are dying because obviously they pollinate our food. If the bees die, we die is what a lot of people are saying. But before I jump into that, some things that have uh, come across my news feed. I try to share as much of it as I can. If I can't get to it all in the show, there's a lot more articles at uh, facebook.com slash truthseeker, T-R-U-T-H-S-E-I-K-E-R. This uh, first one comes to us from mintpressnews.com. I'm waiting for it to load. Here we go. It's called Obama's new appointee to head the FDA is... Surprise, surprise, a big pharma mega lobbyist. Uh, it's dated October 19, 2015 by Carrie Wedler. While at Duke, Robert M. Califf received millions in funding and salary support from Eli Lilly, Merck, Novartis, and other drug companies. President Obama's recent nominee to chair the Food and Drug Administration has drawn harsh criticism for his ties to the pharmaceutical industry. They disappro- The disapproval grew more justified this week as it was revealed that until this year, nominee Dr. Robert Califf was a board member and consultant for a company whose sole purpose is to help pharmaceutical companies evade and manipulate FDA regulations. He currently serves as the FDA's Deputy Commissioner for Medical Products and Tobacco and awaits Senate confirmation to become Deputy Commissioner of the agency. Faculty Connection, LLC, where Califf served from 2006-2015, to claims the company, quote, "...brings together physicians and researchers from leading academic institutions with pharmaceutical biotechnology and medical device clients." As the Intercept reported, Faculty Connection LLC boasts that the team of practicing university-based physicians and researchers provides regulatory consulting, including the FDA briefing reviews and other regulatory submissions to the agency. The article goes on and on to talk uh, you know, more about the background of this here. I highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, again, if you listened to my show a couple weeks ago, talking about uh, you know some of the greatest threats to your health, it's our trusted authority. Are are our best interests in mind, or are they just trying to sell and push product? I would think this would be highly suspect. So again, check this out. It'll be in the show notes at serviceofchange.com. This one here uh, comes to us from coast to coast. AM the title of this article Iraqi official claims airport was once an ET base this came out October 5th Uh, At the opening of a new Iraqi airport, the country's Minister of Transportation claimed that ancient aliens once used the same location for their spaceships. Speaking to the press, Kazim Finjan may have inadvertently blown the lid off a UFO secrecy when he declared that the current airport sits on the site of history's first airport from 5000 B.C. Finjan told incredulous reporters to read the work of Zachariah Sitchin if they did not believe him. The official went on to detail how the location of the airport was preferred was a preferred spot of the Anunnaki because its weather conditions made it ideal for launches to other planets. Through Finjan's speech his colleagues appeared to be nonplussed by his statements, but there are a handful of moments which suggest they were more amused than amazed by the revelations. That sentiment seems to have been captured by Iraqis who saw the press conference, as one journalist called Finjan, an imbecile, while an academic suggested that he was allowed to speak for so long because no one wanted to be the person who stopped him. One particularly cruel critic contended that the transportation minister is evidence that the Iraqi government is rife with fools, uh, hashish addicts, at and most worthless of humanity. That harsh rebuke is certainly open to debate amongst Iraqis, as is the veracity of Finjen's claims, since they do not appear to come from any inside information pertaining to ETs in Iraq's distant past, and instead were informed primarily by the work of Sitchin. All right, so I'll have the links to this uh, at serviceofchange.com in the show notes. It's got a video uh, of him as well with this that they're talking about. Interesting story, uh, you know, because here's my... My curiosity on this is, you know, we're hearing more and more rumors of disclosure finally coming out. And we've been seeing this build up over the past decade or so with the Ancient Aliens TV kind of starting that ball rolling uh, of people... You know, talking to it. Are they trying to prepare us for this possibility that that this disclosure is coming? That they you know, or a fake disclosure is coming? I, I don't know, but it's more mainstream, uh, you know, and and in a more, I, I guess it's been received much more seriously in comparison to this article. Um, you know, with the Disclosure Project, the former Prime Minister of Canada does talk openly about UFOs and, you know, what he has experienced and seen and witnessed in his position there, his official position there. So, you know, I, I think we're moving towards that. Uh, you know, I, I'm always um, questioning the reason why this information is coming out, but it's definitely something to keep your attention on and, and keep your focus on. Uh, so, again, that you can find that link at servicechange.com. Interesting technology piece that I came across called Urban Wearables. It's a uh, device that goes on your head and flashes some red lights at your eyes once it detects that you have reached REM sleep and it is said to help induce lucid dreaming. Now for those that aren't familiar with what lucid dreaming is, it's the ability to be aware that you are dreaming while you are dreaming. to take control of your dreams and uh, apparently do all sorts of fun things. I've had a few lucid dreams. In my experience I try quite regularly to have them uh, you know, usually I'm awake and, and start running around and saying, yeah, I'm awake, I, I'm, I'm in control, and I either end up waking myself up fully or fall back into the dream state. But I have had, um, you know, several moments of, uh, you know, of the lucid experience that can lead to uh, more out-of-body states and, uh, you know, some other really great exploration I'm always referring back to Robert Monroe and his work at the Monroe Institute, but he is one pioneer among many that has uh, explored in these realms. Anyway, this technology claims to do it. Looks like it's in the beginning stages. They have some crowdfunding. uh, The prices are in euro, so I'm not sure exactly where it's at, uh, where it's located, but 279 euros, early bird prices with 50% discount through a Kickstarter program that they have going on here so i'll have links to this if you want to check this out uh again in the show notes for this episode but again some some really interesting uh technology coming there and and, and again we have to be cautious with with technology because i you know i always worry i think it's great i think it's got great implications for us um you know, there's always room for abuse there as well. With something like this, uh, you know, I I can see it, you know, having more benefits than than negatives. I can't think of any negatives that come with it right now. Uh, You know, I I am a proponent of understanding, and, and this is where I'm going with the show with the bees too, but, you know, understanding the electromagnetic field that we're connected to. You know, I keep, coming back to that in uh, in my research and in my shows because it's I believe that it's important. I believe that it's the key to uh, our connection to everything and I believe if we can understand how this field operates, what we can do with it, uh, we'll then be able to understand how the field is being manipulated and hindering us. And the counter, then we can develop countermeasures against it. Even if that's developing our own tech to block out all this junk that's out there that's interfering negatively with our own bodies. So this may be a useful tool moving forward, or it may have the you know ability to be adapted into something along that level. So you know tonight I want to talk about uh, you know the honeybees, and I, I did a show uh, months ago talking about it was in the news South Carolina's um, you know sprayed some pesticides uh, and, and, I'm sorry this was this was in September early September seems like months ago and they killed about 2.5 million bees uh, and, and you always see we're, lately we're hearing in the news you know there's a bee apocalypse we've got this sudden colony death um, you know going on where colonies are just dropping dead out of nowhere nobody really knows why uh, there's a, a ton of theories out there uh, you know, pesticides being one of them. I, you know, I, I didn't go into the Zika angle on this here, but I, I do think it's interesting how there was all this hype about the Zika virus, um, you know, that... that and then all of a sudden it died off. Everybody was paranoid about Zika. That paranoia started to creep here into the United States, and then it disappears just like the Ebola virus did as well. What is the ultimate end of that? Are they using that to justify the spraying of more pesticides uh, that are toxic to our Earth, toxic to ourselves? Um, I, I don't quite know, but this would certainly fit that. But again, I, you know, I don't know enough information to draw that conclusion. That's a theory that I think is worth looking into. Uh, so I'm going to come back to this story once I get into you know the bulk of this, uh, the rest of this stuff. Um, one of the things, I, you know, I'm, I'm teaching a class right now. One of the classes I'm teaching right now, uh, or co-teaching, it's a uh, it's a science class, and we're covering uh, astronomy. And today we were talking to our students about all the different wavelengths and forms of light, uh, you know, in the, in the within the electromagnetic spectrum, and we covered how how blind we are in this universe. In the, in the video we showed the students, they demonstrated the you know the availability of the electromagnetic spectrum. And they said, if we had uh, a piece of film, video film for a movie that was 2,000 miles long, some from somewhere in California all the way up to through Washington state they should they just you know on the show they stretched out 2000 miles long they said here's the portion you're able to see and it was maybe an inch wide strip so 1 inch is what we can see in a range of 2000 miles my point in bringing that up is we're virtually blind to what's out there, and that's just what we're able to detect with our instruments, you know. And I suspect there may even be more distance on that tape. We just don't have an ability to detect or identify it yet. Um, but anyway, that's still, you know, we really can't see anything that's out there. So, we, you know, we talked about that, and we started talking about different animals have, you know, and insects have the ability to see. Uh, different wavelengths tying this into bees they're capable of seeing uh, i believe in the infrared spectrum they can't see the color red but they can see um, you know within that bandwidth because it helps them to find their food source that you know they they have a different uh, i guess color or glow emanating in that spectrum that draws bees to them to find that source so one of the things that goes through my head is, well, I, I, I know I have it, uh, you know, the driving factor of my research is this electromagnetic field. Last week's show I talked about how the sun emits electromagnetic fields that can adversely affect human health and human behavior. So, uh, you know, it, it's got to have an impact on nature in general, both good and bad, I'm sure. Now, there's so many other fields that are out there now with cell phone technology, with the microwaves that are being out there, with, you know, radio waves and and, and the Wi-Fi signals, you know, there's just so much noise that's out there. Is that having an effect? Well, you know, I I did some research today and I came across a paper, uh, and, and again, as always, it will be in the show notes, and this paper, you know, is called "Electromagnetic Radiation Clashes with Honeybees," uh, and this was written by Sunadeen Sahib S, Associate Professor, uh, PG and Research Department of Zoology, SN College, Kollam, Kerala. Uh, I think this was a study done uh, out of out of India in 2010. It's in the International Journal of Environmental Sciences, Volume One, Number Five. I'm sorry, published 2011, copyrighted 2010. So I'm just going to read a piece of this here. But the materials and methods for this study. Six colonies of honeybees, uh, Aphis mellifera, were selected. Three colonies were selected as test colonies, and the rest were as control. The test colonies were provided with mobile phones in working conditions with a frequency of 900 megahertz for 10 minutes for a short period of 10 days. The EMF power density was measured with the help of RF power density meter. The control colonies had not provided, were not provided with mobile phones. Queen prolificity was calculated in terms of egg-laying rate of the queen. Flight activity and returning ability were measured as number of worker bees leaving and returning respectively to the hives per minute before exposure, during exposure, and after exposure. So they took cell phones out of the six colonies and they put cell phones for 10 minutes a day at 900 megahertz at three of the colonies. The other colonies they left in their natural state. What they found was the present study showed that after 10 days the worker bees never returned hive to the hives in the test colonies. The massive amount of radiation produced by mobile phones and towers is actually frying the navigational skills of the honeybees and preventing them from returning back to their hives. It was shown that the total bee strength was significantly higher in the control colonies being nine comb frames as compared to one in the test colony at the end of the experiment. The thriving hives suddenly left with only queens, eggs, and hive-bound immature worker bees. The queens in the test colonies produced fewer eggs per day, 100, compared to the control, 350. It has previously been reported that there was low egg-laying rate in queens exposed to high-voltage transmission lines or exposure of the queen bees to cell phone radiation stimulated her to produce only drones. The electromagnetic radiation exposure provides a better explanation for colony collapse disorder than other theories. The path of CCD in India has followed the rapid development of cell phone towers and cell phones, which cause atmospheric electromagnetic radiation. So they said in much more scientific terms, what basically I'm saying is that the interference with the natural our, our natural relationship to this electromagnetic field is having detrimental effects on us and on nature. And it's important for us to be aware of this. Now, another article referencing this one. This article came out in... Uh, on June 30th, 2010, from CNN. Study links bee decline to cell phones by Sasha Harriman. In the beginning, they kind of summarize everything that I just said, but they go into something more, uh, in a little bit more background, uh, where they state it's not just the honey that would be lost if populations plummet further. Bees are estimated to pollinate 90 commercial crops worldwide. Their economic value in the UK is estimated to be estimated to be 290 million per year, and around 12 billion in the US. Andrew Goldsworthy, a biologist from the UK's Imperial College London, has studied the biological effects of electromagnetic fields. He thinks it's possible bees could be affected by cell phone radiation. The reason Goldsworthy says could hinge on a pigment in bees called crypt. Uh, help me out here. Cryptochrome. There we go. Animals, including insects, use cryptochrome for navigation. Uh, Goldsworthy told CNN they use it to sense the direction of the Earth's magnetic field, and their ability to do this is compromised by radiation from cell phones and their ba- at, and their base stations. So basically, bees do not find their way back to the hive. Goldsworthy has written to the UK uh, communications regulator, suggesting a change of phone frequencies would stop the bees being confused. It's possible to modify the signal coming from the cell phones and the base station in such a way that it doesn't produce the frequencies that disturb the cryptochrome molecules. Okay, so here, again, is what I was just saying before I got into this in the show. If we can become aware of these problems, we don't have to be afraid of them. Let's become aware of them. Let's face them. Let's be open to all possibilities. Here's a possible solution. Like I said, we can use tech, to protect us, to create countermeasures. Now, we're all pretty addicted to cell phones and this technology, but here he's suggesting there's an option there. We can can put countermeasures in and change the frequency just so it's not impacting these bees. I think that's a fascinating idea. I'd love to know more about that. Okay, so, uh, you know, again, my connection to this is... electromagnetic field. And, And what I'm trying to show is that, number one, we have a natural relationship to this field. Number two, I'm showing that that natural relationship to that field can and has been and is being manipulated. Now, I think in some cases it's being manipulated by natural causes I think in some cases it's being manipulated as a unknown or unplanned for side effect of our technology but I also believe that it's being manipulated intentionally it's being directly used to influence human behavior and it may be in some cases you know the behaviors and lifespans and, and activities uh, of the natural world I know uh, when I started first started doing this show uh, about Two summers ago, there were that we were seeing instances of uh, mass die offs of birds that were just all falling out of the sky at night. Uh, you know, random sea life just washing up dead on shore. Um, you know, is it possible that their ability to connect to these signals, which they use for navigational purposes, is being interfered with? Now, again, that interference could be coming from. You know, uh, solar activity in the sky. I haven't, you know, done that research to make those connections, or they could be coming from the use of, you know, technology today. I I just don't know. I'm hoping some of you out there are smart enough to make that, those connections and put those pieces together. But those fields are being uh, influenced. You know, and and in my research, what what I'm finding is again, that field that we had that we create through our hearts carries emotional data. Well our emotionals can dri- our emotions can drive our behavior. So if that field can be influenced to manipulate our emotions, our behavior in essence can also be, Influenced and manipulated, and quite possibly just controlled. So that's why this is so important, because I'm finding correlations throughout nature, uh, you know, to, to show, hey, this is this is a real this is a real thing that's happening here. This is a real part of humanity and who we are. So let me come back to the bees, and again, back in in September, um, you know, 2.5 million bees were killed because they were going after the Zika virus. Uh, And I read this article and I was a little frustrated with it at first, but I'm going to go forward with it because in my mind, you know, I'm thinking this is bad because, well, that's what everybody says. It's bad, you know, and I always want to try and stay balanced. In in what I'm putting out and what I'm finding, what I'm researching. And this article starts off not so great for this bee. It's a picture of a dead bee. Not so great for this bee, but the bee population will survive. Uh, So that automatically caught my attention because up until this point, everything I have read is saying hey, all the bees are dying. We're going to run out of food. We need to do something now. Uh, You know, be prepared for the end of the world, basically. So this article goes on and says this week the residents, and this is back in early September, the residents of Dorchester County, South Carolina, tried to ward off Zika using a strong pesticide called Nalid. Unfortunately, they accidentally ended up killing about 2.5 million honeybees at one bee farm alone because they sprayed after dawn instead of at night when bees are not out and about. The owner is understandably devastated. Honestly, it goes in to talk about the owner, how upset they were. Uh, the internet, it seems, is also devastated a sample of the outcry on Facebook. This quote, this makes me so sick. Murderers, and it was like visiting a cemetery, pure sadness. Someone even floated a hashtag, save humanity, save the bees. So when I read this part of the article, it frustrated me because I feel like they're, they're downplaying or almost poking fun at people who are upset about this goes on and says, to be honest, it's a little weird to see this kind of outrage for bees. Usually we reserve that for more personable animals like uh, harambe or, more recently, reindeer. In a way, it's nice. Uncuddly animals deserve our love, too. Perhaps it's even an offshoot of how the animal rights movement, currently obsessed with helping the lowly farm chicken, has broadened our understanding of what kinds of animals warrant protection. So, this, this, this article is kind of going back and forth a little bit, but I still feel it's more of a colder approach than at least I would like to take in looking at nature and these animals that are, that are dying uh, you know, based on our actions and activities but she goes on and says But the main tragedy here is not an ecological one you don't have to worry about bees right now the bees affected by the millions weren't wild bees they were commercial bees bred to produce honey uh, you know so ultimately they can be replaced she goes on to say you know the queen bees can lay a couple thousand eggs per day <clears throat> which you know they should be easy to replace a colony but obviously pesticides are bad for them uh, so she goes on you know kind of to talk about that uh, a little bit at the end she says you know we need to keep spraying pesticides to keep zika at bay but clearly should be handled better in the future ultimately i have a problem with this article i think (coughs) i think again we're not looking at life as sacred we're looking at it as well they're just a casualty of us protecting our own that's not the direction that, that personally I would like to see us go. I think we need to find a better way to live in that balance because there is a ripple effect here. And, uh, you know, again, pesticides I don't think are the right way to go. I know personally there's a guy, a local guy where I live. Uh, he calls himself the green man. He's an exterminator. And he takes unwanted pests out of your home and doesn't use a, sim- a, a, a single... "Quote unquote chemical pesticide. It's nothing, man. Everything he uses is all natural. I've had him take care of some things on my home, using uh, you know significant concentrations of essential oils. So there's no risk of getting cancer. You know, no negative effects for, for people on that stuff. Um, you know, and it's he's he's better at targeting the specific populations uh, of insect. Now, I can't tell you which essential oils he would recommend for going after mosquitoes that may have or may not have the Zika virus, but I'm pretty confident that he does have uh, a solution for it that is all natural, and it's much better for the environment. So I think, like they said here, part of the problem was they sprayed uh, you know, at dawn instead of at night when the bees were sleeping, so they all got covered with the pesticides. If we could take a more natural approach with his stuff... Uh, you know, to spray for Zika and uh, use things that aren't going to hurt the environment, I think we're we're moving on, you know, in, in the right direction. And in regards to pesticides, you know, we see that they are capable of causing cancer, they're bad for the environment, yet we continue to use them. We continue to purchase the Roundup, which is linked to Monsanto, which is linked to so many uh, issues right now, debates right now with their, you know, what do they them the Frankenstein seeds that are out there um, that are just devastating crops. And now they're patenting these seeds and they kind of have a monopoly on food, is where they're going. Is it even really food because it's capable of absorbing more pesticides without killing the crops? A, a simple alternative. To protect the environment, if you want to take care of weeds on your property, number one, I, first, I would say figure out what your weeds are because nine times out of ten, they're probably going to be something that can be used as a medicinal herb. Step two, get yourself some vinegar, get yourself some soap, and mix it with water. Half vinegar, half water, couple squirts of dish soap in there, and you have yourself a weed killer. Doesn't harm the environment except for the weeds that you're spraying it on. It's not going to go ahead and kill any bees, uh, you know, the way a lot of these pesticides may have that effect on them. So it's a little bit different than electromagnetic stuff, but it's still relative. We need to be more aware. We need to be more conscious of our impact and our interaction with the world around us. Um, you know, I would love to see us move in that direction, um, because we are in trouble. And I'm not saying that in the uh, end of the world doom and gloom type of state, but we, you know we we're at a, at a precipice right now. We have a choice to make. which way do we want to go? Do we want to respect life or do we want to be selfish and and just take what we what we can at the cost of the environment, our planet, and po- quite possibly our future? So I hope you found the information in this show useful uh, and helpful. Uh, you know, to kind of get you thinking about stuff. If you have any comments or thoughts on it, if you have any other information about it, you know, my main point is this relationship with the electromagnetic field that we have. It doesn't affect just us. It affects. Seems like everything all around us has some kind of relationship to this field. So. Uh, check out it in the show notes at serviceofchange.com. Again, don't forget uh, you know facebook.com/truthseeker T R U T H S E I K E R and sign up for the seeker newsletter at serviceofchange.com. I am human. You'll get your free ebook as well. That is all the time I have for this show, this episode of the Seeker podcast. I am Dennis Nappy II with Service of Change. Where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning, and keep
0: an open mind. Thank you. I'm a singer, 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 i am Seekers